and welcome to Engage with Eagle Forum, a podcast to encourage the modern day woman in her vital role in shaping society. I'm one of your hosts, Tabitha Walter, the political director of Eagle Forum, and I'm joined today by our executive director, Kirsten Hassler. Hi, everyone. We've talked a lot about issues at the federal level, but today we're taking a break from that and taking a look into state le- the state level. The state government is really where you can make substantial changes. It is a lot less dependent on bureaucrats and red tape and really gives you a better opportunity to get involved. Absolutely. That's why we wanted to bring on someone who is actively involved on the state level, West Virginia Delegate Kayla Kessinger. As a West Virginia native myself, I'm ecstatic to have her on the podcast. It's so good to hear someone with a similar accent, although I've lost some of mine <laughs> after moving here. But um, let, me, let me read a little bit about her. When she was elected to the West Virginia House of Delegates in 2014, just before her 21st birthday, she made a huge splash, not only as the top 10 youngest legislators in the country, but as a true conservative. Her conservative values even got the attention of folks in DC. So she has spoken at national events like CPAC. She was recognized as one of Newsmax's 30 under 30 and chosen as one of the 2018 West Virginia Wonder Women. She is currently serving her second term as the assistant majority leader for the West Virginia House of Delegates. When she is not at the State House, she is the Sales and Marketing Director for Synergy Sand, a transportation company that specializes in hauling frack sand. She is also heavily involved in women's ministry at iHeart Church and resides in Mount Hope, West Virginia. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So I just want to cut to the chase and ask the most important question first. What is your favorite Tudor's biscuit? Oh, the Mountaineer. <laughs> the Mountaineer. The, uh, clearly the Mountaineer is the best Tudor's biscuit. Um, it's got, for those of you who are not West Virginia natives and you don't know about Tudor's Biscuit World, it is, it is 10 out of 10, chef's kiss. Every time you go, that you never have a bad experience. Um, the, the Mountaineer specifically has egg, hash brown, cheese, and the most delicious fluffy biscuit you will ever eat in your life. Like if you, if you want to eat all of your day's calories in one meal, that's, that's the way to do it. <laughs> oh, for sure. I miss Tudor's biscuits. My favorite's the peppy, which is pepperoni and cheese. Very good, reason, very good. I, I was going to say, for some reason, I was thinking like a British biscuit and not like, um, like a Southern biscuit. <laughs> Oh no. I think because it's called Tudors. I don't know. Oh yeah. (laughs) All all the carbs, all the calories. It's it's awesome. It's my favorite place. Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) All right. So apart from Tudors, how did you become interested in politics and in what ways did you get involved? So I got interested in politics by way of the pro-life movement. Um, When I was 13 years old, um, I I attended a pro-life meeting in my community, and I read this pamphlet about a young boy who grew up um, during the Holocaust, and um, it shared the story. He, He grew up in this church, and there were these railroad tracks that would go behind this church. 
and um, every every Sunday they'd be in church and they would hear the train whistle blow and then they would start to hear um, the cries of people on these trains. He was a child, he didn't know, but the adults in the room did know that these were Jews who were being taken to concentration camps and gas chambers. And he shared how he remembered every time they would hear that train coming, he, they would just blow the horn a little, or they would just start singing louder so that they could drown out the voices of the people that were crying to, these, to, to this body of believers for help. And I read that and I thought to myself, I've been that way for so long that instead of recognizing um, areas where I can lend my voice to help, I was just singing a little bit louder, pretending like everything was okay outside of um, my four walls. And so um, the Lord gave me this, um, this deep burden for the unborn and for their mothers. And so I started um, getting involved in the life movement. Um, I became the team president of the Fayette County Right to Life. Um, I was the president of myself. I won by default. I was the only teenager, the only person under the age of like 50 that was involved in the group. Um, but we worked really hard and grew the group um, fairly quickly. Um, and then in college, um, I got more actively engaged um, and then started attending some Republican executive committees in the area so that I could raise awareness um, on the issue of life and um, sort of got involved that way and then eventually got recruited to run for office and here I am. That's so awesome. It, that just goes to show like how things evolve and how you can just get involved at a small level and then work your way up. So how every state legislature conducts their bus business is a little different, but let's talk about West Virginia for a bit. They have what's called a citizen legislature because the lawmakers are not full-time legislators. They typically have other jobs outside of being an elected official. They have both a house and Senate chamber that vote individually on bills. Now, bills are introduced by members and considered in committees. It's somewhat similar to the process we see at the federal level, except in West Virginia, it's extremely fast-paced. <laughs> so Kayla, <laughs> can you explain the process a little more in depth from introduction to passage of a bill and what your day-to-day -day looks like when you're in session? Sure. So. Um... You're exactly right. Um, West Virginia is the citizen legislature, which has flaws. It, it has its difficulties rather than flaws, um, but it also has its benefits. Um, I think it's, it's really neat when I get to go into the legislative session and you have coal miners, lawyers, teachers, um, people from all spectrums of life um, come together and they bring different perspectives, different ideas, um, different life experiences to the table, and it really helps us accomplish so much more um, as a legislative body. And so when we go into the legislative session, usually in January, this year it started in February because, um, because we had a gubernatorial election um, in the fall, um, but um, when we go into a legislative session, um, it's a 60-day legislative session, and um, it is very fast-paced, um, very busy. My days usually start no later than 7 30 8 o'clock at the capitol um early on in session i get to leave a little bit earlier but as the session progresses they they don't end until until very late eight nine ten o'clock sometimes before i'm even thinking about leaving um but the cool thing about west virginia is that um, because we are a citizen legislature 
we spend a lot of time in our districts, in our communities. And so we have constituents who bring us um, ideas for pieces of legislation that we then get drafted and, and, and written at, in, in bill form. Um, and then it gets assigned to a committee. So a legislative committee that has something to do with whatever topic um, the bill is on will be assigned that committee. We'll just use, for example, um, a bill we passed this past legislative session, education savings account. Um, so we've had people across the state, um, especially after COVID saying, parents need more choices, parents need more opportunities instead of being pigeonholed into one option um, and really can't even call it an option. It's, it's one thing that they have um, and, they're, and, and unless they have the resources to put their children in a, in a private school or homeschool, there are no other options. And so we have so many constituents reaching out saying we need better choices. We need more options with our children's education. And so we took that concept. We looked at other states, what have other states done? Um, what are other states considering? We took all of those ideas, had the bill drafted, and it was assigned to the education committee. And so at that point, the education committee will deliberate, discuss, um, offer any amendments. Um, this particular bill, this is the third or fourth year that we've tried to get the bill passed. Um, and this is the first year that we've been successful um, in doing so. So that committee will deliberate, discuss, um, amend that bill. And then if 51% uh, if, if, if 50 if or higher of the committee vote to um, send the bill to the floor, it goes to the floor before the entire 100 member body of the House of Delegates where we have first, second, and third readings. And so first, first reading for those of you who aren't aware is when the, the members of the body are alerted, like, hey, this bill is getting ready to come up for a vote. For a vote, you need to make sure you read it. Um, and then the next day it'll be on second reading and that's the amendment stage. So anybody who wants to offer an amendment um, is, is able to do so as long as they have an amendment it turned in before the beginning of that legislative session, they can offer that amendment. Um, and then the body will vote on those amendments. And then um, the next day will be the day the bill is on third reading. That is where um, the bill is on final passage. And so at this point, um, all the horror stories come out and the arguments in favor and everybody bickers back and forth as to why this is either a really great piece of legislation or a really terrible piece of legislation. And um, once that concludes, we vote. The interesting thing about West Virginia is it wasn't that long ago, like within our lifetimes, I believe that um, all that, that votes were actually voice votes only. And so there was no record of how legislators voted, but um, several years ago, um, the legislature, before my time, the legislature voted to, um, to force all votes on final passage to be recorded. And so you press your red button or your green button and everybody and their brother, will know how you voted on that piece of legislation. And if 51 members of the House of Delegates support the piece of legislation, it then goes to our sister body, the state Senate, where that entire process starts over. They do it all over there. Um, and if it is um, lucky enough to make it through the process of both bodies, it then goes to the governor where he has three options. He can either sign it to become law. He can either let it become law without his signature or he can veto the bill. And so um, the, it, the cool, a really cool thing about West Virginia is that if the governor vetoes a piece of legislation, 
we as the legislative body have the opportunity to override any governor's veto with a simple majority. So just 51 votes in the House um, and a simple majority in the state Senate. And actually, uh, my first in the legislature, um, I had an opportunity to override a governor's veto for years. You know, I told you a few minutes ago that I got involved um, in politics through the pro-life movement. And so I was like this little teenage girl. I had all my petitions um, for what, what came to be known as the Pain-Capable Unborn Child Protection Act. Up until that point, abortion was legal up until full term. Like if I were pregnant and due tomorrow, I could have obtained an abortion today um, up until uh, seven years ago in the state of West Virginia. And so for years leading up to that as, you know, a teenager, I had all of my petitions. Every year I was turning them in. I wanted my legislators to pass this bill and they never did. Um, and so my first year there, this bill that I had been grassroots fighting for, um, lobbying as a constituent for, for years prior to actually got to pass, I got, I got to vote on and help pass that bill um, that the governor, um, Earl Ray Tomlin at the time, then vetoed. And so for the first time in like 60 years, um, the legislature got to override the governor's veto. Um, and I always say that was the proudest moment of my legislative career. Um, I tell people, some people will tell you abortion empowers women, but overriding a governor's veto empowered this woman. And it was uh, the highlight of my legislative career. But so that's the long way around how uh, the legislative body works in the state of West Virginia. You definitely know your ins and outs there, don't you? <laughs> uh, this, is my, this is my seventh legislative yeah. session. So I've sort of been, it was baptism by fire at first, and now I'm finally finally starting to understand what we're doing there. Mm -hmm. So you've talked a lot about, you know, your, your background in pro-life uh, and the pro-life movement and how that really informs a lot of your decisions, but what are some of the other issues that you've really taken to heart and um, have, have driven forward in the legislature? Sure. So one of the, and I mentioned it a few minutes ago, one of the most important issues to me is education reform. Um, in West Virginia, um, like I said, we really have not for, for, for the longest time had options for parents. Um, we were one of only a handful of states that did not permit charter schools in the state. Um, we didn't have ESAs. Um, it wasn't until a few years ago when we started the conversation about education reform um, that, we, that, we, that we passed the legis a very watered down version of uh, allowing charter schools in the state. Um, we had to come back this year and strengthen that. Um, we passed education savings accounts this year. Um, and, and so education has been incredibly important to me and making sure, and not just providing options for parents, um, but also ensuring that teachers aren't, um, that teachers in the public school aren't hamstringed in the classroom because there's this push, I think, nationally um, for, 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 to tell teachers how they have to teach and specifically what they have to teach, when they have to teach it, how they have to teach it. And I think that really pigeonholes our teachers instead of giving them the opportunity to see what works best in their classroom. And so this summer, um, a few legislators from West Virginia, um, we're all gonna be working on ways to um, sort of to, to like, in West Virginia, our education chapter is chapter 18A. And it's like a book that's this thick. Um, it's crazy. And it's all these standards that teachers have to abide by and um, rules and regulations that are really overburdensome. And so 
one thing that I'm really passionate about um, right now, I'm going to continue to work on is taking is removing some of those burdensome regulations um, that teachers are just sort of, they have their hands tied. And so making sure they have what they need. Um, additionally, um, I am super involved in the pro-Israel community, and I got involved with, um, I'm sure some, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with APAC. Um, I got involved with APAC um, in 2017, went to Israel with AIES, um, and came back um, super passionate about the American-Israel relationship. Um, this past legislative session, we passed um, anti-BDS legislation, making us, I think, the 31st state in the country that has um, affirm affirmatively said, we will not be complicit with companies who um, whose sole goal and intention is to completely eliminate, delegitimize and destroy um, our closest ally in the Middle East, the nation of Israel. And so um, there's, there's a lot, you know, my first year in the legislature, um, we passed right to work, which was super cool. Um, as well as uh, we, repealed, we repealed prevailing wage my second year. Um, and that's another thing is just making sure that government doesn't get in the way of business. Um, you know, what, what we saw over the last year with um, through COVID was a lot of government overreach and it shined a spotlight on something that's been happening for so long. Now this is to an extreme, but there's so much government overreach when it comes to the way that people can conduct business, um, not just in West Virginia, but everywhere. And so my, my goal, my heart um, is to make West Virginia a better place to live, work, and raise a family. And I think you do that through education reform, um, making sure that businesses aren't overregulated, um, and then examining tax, tax reform. That's something that, that we're discussing right now in West Virginia as well. Yeah, so you pretty much have to be an expert on everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, thankfully, we have excellent staff um, in the state legislature, and we really can rely on um, on our staff to, to help us in areas where we're not super familiar with. I, I always tell people, I love Google because there's so many times where we're discussing something. I, you know, your listeners will probably laugh at this, but so... When I was first elected, I was 21. I was very young, very naive. Um, I, the only thing I ever ran for in life was homecoming queen. And you can't buy elections with cookies. That's like a crime in West Virginia. You used to be able to buy them with moonshine, but that is, we, we stomped that out pretty quickly. Um, but so um, I, it was sort of, like I said, baptism by fire, learning, um, just learning as I go. And what I found was um, I was sitting in committee one day and I had, um, we were discussing something that dealt with growlers. I don't know if you've ever heard of them or not. Um, and I was sitting in committee, I'm thinking, I have no idea what the heck a growler is. And I was too embarrassed to raise my hand. I'm like, I don't want these people, like, I'm, I'm probably supposed to know what this is. Like, I don't want to ask. And so I just quickly grabbed my phone and was like, what is a growler? And I was like, oh, just like a moonshine bottle. Like, I know what that is. <laughs> so, um, but you do, you learn a lot. That's one thing that I have loved about serving in the legislature is you learn a lot about a lot of things. And so it's, it's always a, a learning, there's a learning curve, but it's, it's absolutely, um, it, it, it's worth it. So you had mentioned the, the extreme federal overreach that happens in West Virginia. Can you expound on some of those issues and where you're seeing that and how it's affecting the residents there? 
Absolutely. So um, interesting fact about me, before I got involved in the legislature, I worked in the coal industry. I worked for um, a coal contracting company and we hired supplemental labor um, for the coal mines. And um, about two years into the legislature, I became a, what I call a casualty of the war on coal. I lost my job and I had to call over 70 men who were working for us at the time um, and tell them not to shut to work, to work the next day, you know, hearing their babies crying in the background, knowing they have bills to pay and they have to put food on their table and all they've ever done their whole life was mine coal and they didn't have that opportunity and the reason that I lost my job that these men lost their job this company went out of business and it left so many families stranded with nowhere to go um, was because of government overreach we um, we had a president for eight years who didn't like coal, he made it very, uh, he made it abundantly clear that he did not support the coal industry. And um, they started implementing, um, you know, the Clean Air Act and forcing power companies um, to sort of, di to, to diversify and stop using as much coal and start using more renewable energy. Um, and while I do support an all of the above energy approach, when you have government overreach that's creeping into communities that they do not understand how it works um, and they try to take control of that area, it has detrimental effects. And what I think, what I think a lot of people um, in Washington, D.C. don't understand is that not everywhere looks like Washington, D.C. Not everywhere looks like California. Not everywhere looks like New York. Um, we have rural areas in this country, like West Virginia, um, who need different things than California, New York, Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. may not need the same things we need in West Virginia. They may, they, may have, uh, they, they may have different needs and different expectations for how to live. But what happens is instead of looking at government from a localized approach and saying, we need to allow local areas, local government, state communities um, to make the decisions that are best for, for them. We have government elitists who think they know better than everybody else um, come in and say, no, um, this way of life has worked for you up until this point, but no more because we have, we have an objective, we have an end goal, and we, wanna, we want to help our political supporters and the people who funnel money into our campaigns and they don't like coal, so we're not gonna help coal. In fact, we're gonna do everything we can to put it out of business. Um, and they have, I mean, they've done it very, that is, if there is, if there is one area um, in the state of West Virginia that has been totally decimated by government overreach, it's the, it's the coal industry. And what frustrates me so much about that is that um, you have um, a group of people who, are, who, who are constantly considered compassionate um, to those in poverty. But what they don't understand is when they start to force out affordable energy and start to lean more toward a more renewable, renewable form of energy, which is incredibly expensive, the people it hurts the most are those in poverty um, and, and they don't even think about you know even solar panels for example you know what you need um, to make solar panels and windmills steel you know what you need to make steel coal and so in this effort 
to clean the in, in this effort for cleaner air, they don't understand um, the ins and outs um, of how of how coal actually works and what it does, and that is it's so much cleaner than what a lot of people actually even think or understand. If you've never been in a coal mine, um, I would encourage you to, to go visit one because your eyes will be open. It's not a bunch of men underground with pickaxes um, uh, every day. It's, it's, it's significantly different than that. And so um, it's sad because so many West Virginians have lost their livelihoods, lost their ability to provide for their families, um simply because of government overreach so we are battling bills on the federal level that really do encroach on states rights uh, just to name a few like hr1 which is that voting rights bill that we've talked about previously the equality act and even biden's upcoming infrastructure plan so if you are listening and wondering how these issues and these bills will affect your state please go back and listen to these episodes and listen to them and we are hoping you won't have to add that to your list of ways that the federal government is making things difficult. Yep. And so Kayla, what encouragement do you have for those of us who may be interested in getting involved at the state level, whether it's just making their voice heard or even like you running for office? So I have so many young women, especially, um, come up to me and tell me that they have political ambitions and political goals. And my response to them is always, what is your why? Like, why do you want to do it? If you want to do it, if you want to, specifically when it comes to running for office, if the only reason you want to run for office is because you think it's prestigious and you want this title and you want um, and you want people to look at you and think that, that, that you're something um, and find value in the title and in the role that you have, don't do it. Um, because you will not find enjoyment in that. There are going to be more barriers than there will be doors. Um, don't do it if your why is simply to build your own empire and to build your own kingdom. But if your why is you care about your community and you care about your state, you care about this country, um, and there may even be specific issues, um, and strongly pray about it, talk to your family about it, and do it. You know, less than 1% of the population will ever put their name on a ballot, but everybody likes to complain about the people who do put their name on a ballot. And so I want to encourage more people to get involved. When I first ran, I like I said, I had really never ran for anything before. I had been involved in specific, you know, niche areas, um, but never, you know, I never envisioned myself as a politician by any means. Um, and I had a lot of people tell me I couldn't do it. You know, I knocked 5,000 doors my first election and the number of times people would just slam their door in my face. Um, I would go home and I would feel discouraged and I would, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let these few random people tell me that I can't do what I know the Lord has called me to do. And um, so I just pushed through. And so that would be my second, uh, where my first word of advice would be, what's your why? And my second is don't allow obstacles to get in your way. Um, everybody's got opinions about who you should be and what you should do. In my opinion, the only opinion that matters is, is God's and yours. And so if you know that the Lord is calling you to do something in your life, then you need to be obedient and um, you can make significant differences by doing that. 
if your heart is more, you want to be an activist, you want to be somebody who draws attention to specific issues that you care about, your voice is so important. Um, I, I had a legislator tell me, a, a legislator tell me a few years ago, uh, he had a very interesting voting record and I couldn't figure it out. And uh, we asked, you know, what is, what's the deal, man? And he said, oh, I just vote, I just vote based on how many emails I get. And I was like, um, okay. Um, but there are people out there who govern with that mindset. And so you need to make your voice heard. It's easy to sit at home and complain and to turn your TV off when you don't like what you're seeing or to post on Facebook yelling about um, different things that are happening. It's hard to get outside of your comfort zone and call your legislators. It's hard to show up on Capitol Hill and lobby for something you care about. But, but when you are successful, there is nothing like that feeling. That feeling I had after years of fighting for the pain-capable unborn child protection act and being able to press that green button to make it become the law in West Virginia, I've never felt anything like that in my life. Since then, before then, it was this, this deep feeling of satisfaction. And so um, I want if, if you care about anything, <laughs> um, find out ways to get involved, find out ways to make your voice heard, a simple email to your legislators, showing up, they'll talk to you, they wanna hear from you. I love to hear from, from constituents. And then if you're more of like a political person, if you like, if you, if you're less policy oriented and more politically oriented, then find candidates whose platform you believe in and knock doors for them, make phone calls for them. Because at the end of the day, um, the only thing that is going to cause significant shifts in this country are you and me and the people who are listening to your podcast. Um, yes, the people who get to, the people like me who are legislators who get to press those red and green buttons um, and, and decide what the policy for the state is gonna be is important. But what's more important than that are the people on the grassroots because they are the ones who determine who sits in the chairs to press those green buttons. And so um, get involved. Don't let people tell you that you can't do it. Um, you are more than capable of, of being able to accomplish great things for your community. It just takes a little bit of, it takes a little bit of effort. It takes a little bit of courage, um, but it's worth it. It's worth it in the end. Mm -hmm. That's so good. That's the pep talk we all needed right now. <laughs> so how can our listeners, especially our West Virginia listeners, follow your efforts? Sure. So you can like my Facebook page, um, Kaylee Kessinger for House of Delegates. Um, but my Twitter handle is at Kaylee Kessinger. Um, and so um, you can follow those pages, like those pages um, to get information about what we're doing. Um, the state legislative website um, is a wealth of, has, has a wealth of knowledge um, for you to go and look at if you want to know what bills became law this year um, or, you know, what, what things are changing in West Virginia. So you can always check that out as well. Yeah, that's good. Now, I can't let this opportunity go without sharing my experience with the West Virginia legislature. In 2011, I was getting my master's degree at Marshall and I um, applied for an internship at the West Virginia legislature. I had no interest in interning there. 
but I had a friend who was like, you got to come, you got to come, you know, be, you know, we wanted to buddy around while we were there and I was like, okay, I'll do it. And, um, to, to preface this, I got my match, my bachelor's degree in elementary education. So I just planned to teach and whenever I had that internship at the legislature, it threw me into a whole different world that I knew that I was called into. And I just, I appreciate the, the Lord's calling and speaking into other people's lives to get me to, to go and do things outside of my comfort zone. And I had absolutely the best experience. Um, I was assigned to the House Education Committee and at the time, so Kayla, you weren't there, and mm -hmm. there wasn't a majority of Republicans, at least in the House at the time, and so it was very interesting, all the different dynamics, the different lobbyists, um, the, the different, um, they, you know, the legislature has different themed days where um, different counties come in, and different yeah. businesses, and they have different food, and it's, I mean, besides the the hard political work that it takes to um, to prop up a state and try to serve the people of West Virginia, we we had a lot of fun. Uh, the West Virginia people just came together and really rallied around um, policies and and each other essentially. So. Um, so I encourage anyone who is looking to get involved uh, talk to your state legislators, um, get your kids involved in the state legislature, whether it's an internship, a page program, um, go up there and sit in the balcony and watch a day of, of legislative session. It, it's, it's, you know, the, it's where the sausage is made essentially. So it had a profound impact on my life Obviously, it's had a profound impact on your life, Kayla. We so appreciate you joining us. It's so nice to have a West Virginia lady on on our podcast. <laughs> well, um, I really appreciate you guys letting me uh, join you guys. I have really enjoyed it. This is uh, it's been fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and if you are listening to our podcast, please be sure to subscribe, share with your friends, and leave us a review. You can find us on all the major social media platforms and at, and at engagewitheagleforum.com. From your house to the state house to the White House, this is Engage with Eagle Forum.